Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Carolina Casuals podcast. I am Justin, and I am, of course, joined by my brother, Noah. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing? We've got an exciting episode for you today, but before we get into it, want to make sure to remind everyone who's listening to leave a five-star rating on our podcast. We greatly appreciate your feedback. You can leave a comment down below as to what you think of this week's episode. While you're there, go ahead and follow us on both Instagram and Facebook at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Follow us to make sure that you're staying up to date with all the most recent information regarding this podcast. It was another fantastic week of football in the Carolinas. Let's start with Monday night football in Charlotte. The Panthers home opener against the Saints, where the Saints ended up winning 20-17. to For the Saints, Derek Carr was 21 of 36 for 228 yards with an interception. Taysom Hill was running the ball really well, had 75 yards, uh, was second in carries to Tony Jones Jr., who had two touchdowns and 34 yards. Chris Olave led all receivers with six catches for 86 yards. On the Panthers' side, Bryce Young in his home debut, 22 of 33, 153 yards and a touchdown. Miles Sanders had 14 carries for 43 yards. Adam Thielen led the receivers with seven catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. Justin, what is your reaction to the home opener for Bryce Young and the Panthers? Well, we were obviously all hoping for a little bit better. It was not anywhere near close to, I think, what fans were hoping to see, especially after the offensive struggle against Atlanta last week. I think we were all hoping that maybe the offense would put it in gear being at home. Obviously, you and I both did. And this was not a good enough performance. I think you and I were both expecting better. Bryce, in general, 67% completion percentage, had the touchdown pass, no interceptions, improvement in that regard. Uh, The strip sack was not good, but again, that's one of those where he's trying to get out of the pocket and make plays and gets tackled from behind. Stuff like that can happen. He had two hands on the football. You know, you can't ask him to do too much more. The run game was a struggle. The offensive line, whose last season, their strength was run blocking. Unfortunately, so far this season, they have struggled in the run game. Part of that, I know, is new offensive guards with the injuries that we've sustained there. The bigger concern for me right now is in the receiving core. And you and I have both lamented about this off air, but there is a lack of consistent threats right now on the outside. Dan Orlovsky, who was on the call for ESPN Monday night, made a really good observation that throws over the middle. Our offense is tearing it up. But when we have to go one-on-one on the outside, our receivers cannot win one-on-ones right now. And the issue that that is creating is part of what makes Bryce so good and part of why he was so good at Alabama was because he was able to get outside of the pocket, extend plays, and make stuff happen off script. The problem is to do that, you have to be a threat inside the pocket. And the issue is not that Bryce isn't a threat inside the pocket. The issue is is that inside the pocket, receivers are struggling to make themselves available and consistently get separation. And the problem that creates is when Bryce is able to get out and everything starts to break down defensively, Bryce knows exactly where to go with the football. 
But the problem is, is teams are basically saying, we believe we can keep these receivers in check. So instead, we'll just plan on keeping Bryce contained to limit his ability to make plays happen and then put ourselves in position where, look, we can play man coverage and beat these guys. And that's what a lot of what the New Orleans Saints did. Obviously, they had four sacks. Of course, one of them was the strip sack. But rarely did was it edge pressure. A lot of the sacks came from interior linemen or linebackers running stunts. Cam Jordan, who's maybe the best defensive player for the New Orleans Saints and notorious for getting into the backfield for quarterbacks, he didn't, I don't believe he had a sack last night. He, he did not. He, I've, got, I've got the stats up right now. He did not. And that's mostly because he was playing contain pretty much the entire night. I mean, if you look at the the players that had sacks, Marcus May is a safety, Demario Davis is a linebacker, Granderson and Shepard, I believe, are both defensive tackles. Like, this is something that the Saints did really well, understanding our personnel on offense and saying, hey, we think we can beat your receivers. And so my takeaway from last night is we have got to get somebody who can play number one at wide receiver. I don't know who that will be, particularly this point in the season. A promising development was the amount of targets that Jonathan Mingo got. You can tell that they believe he can be that guy. So we'll see as the season goes if he becomes that. But somebody on the outside has to step up. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of the the sack issues came from the fact that we are down both of our starting guards. And so I think once we get one or both of those guards back, I think you'll see some of that run blocking and some of that interior protection greatly improve. Now, I'm going to initially react just as a fan watching because I was sitting there, you know, we were, I was sitting there watching and I was texting with you and our dad. And my frustration as a fan, and I'm sure it's the frustration of a lot of Carolina Panthers fans out there, is we feel like we've been seeing the same story for the last two or three years where we have a defense that plays extremely well and keeps us in games and the offense has been struggling to move the ball by the time. And so by the time we get to the fourth quarter, the defense is tired and the opposing offense is able to just do whatever they want. That has been my main frustration. And I was really feeling that until about the last three or so plays. And I watched Bryce Young throw that beautiful sideline ball to Mingo, where when you watch the replay, Dan Orlovsky again pointed this out very well. He looked off the safety, the corner that was covering him. He was able to get in on the touchdown and then on the two point conversion where he's scrambling, right? And it's broken down. It's broken. It's broken. And he's able to stop on a dime and find a guy in the end zone. And I was sitting there saying that is the Bryce young that I saw at Alabama and was like, this is why he's the number one overall pick. And yes, a lot of that is defenses have been shutting that down, but you almost wonder if, you know, maybe finding a way to really truly try and establish a run presence like we did last year so that defenses can't just line up in a zone every time and shut down all of our passing plays so that Bryce then has the freedom to be able to make those plays like that finding whatever you can do in the next over the next couple weeks to unlock that is huge for the Panthers offense 
And the thing to remember still, and I have to remind myself of this too, of it's his second start. I think the fact that he didn't throw a pick is very encouraging. You and I talked about this before. His completion percentage was much better this time than it was before uh, in, the, in the Atlanta game. And so I think you have that Panthers, as a Panthers fan, you kind of have that frustration, but those three plays at the end really help see what's possible. And I think if we can find a way to unlock that, there's still hope to salvage the season slash get some really good things out of the season. Well, let's just keep in mind, like I said, part of why teams can kind of sit back, play zone, play man, is because we don't have anybody that can that's proven themselves to be able to just get open. You know, I compare some of what Bryce can do outside the pocket to what Mahomes is able to do. Not saying Bryce Young is Mahomes right now, but what Mahomes can do outside the pocket is so, so good. But the reason why he's able to get outside the pocket is because he has a guy in Travis Kelsey that on basically every play, Travis Kelsey can get himself open. The Panthers don't have that player catching the ball right now that you know eight times out of ten they're going to be open on a passing play and so the issue is we're depending on Bryce to make things happen and teams know that and are doing everything they can to contain him now I thought Bryce handled the game for the most part pretty well but we've got to be able to to move the ball a little bit better than we did this past week Running the ball, I think, is going to be a struggle until the offensive line is healthy. And they aren't right now. Unfortunately, I think Brady Christensen is probably done for the year, which means we're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of Chandler Zavala. Corbett, I think, is supposed to be back in a couple of weeks, which will be a much appreciated return. The defense, although they played well, didn't get any healthier. Shaq Thompson, if you have not seen, is done for the year. They have ruled him out. They placed him on IR. So we will no longer have Shaq Thompson this year. Of course, J.C. Horn is still out. He should be back hopefully in a couple of weeks. And Gruger Hill played well. I'll give, you know, we haven't talked, we've talked a lot about the offense. The defense played well, kept the Saints at 20 points. Really, it was two plays that they gave up the entire night. Uh, one of them was the incredible one-handed Alave catch that C.J. Henderson can't do much of anything about. Well, and and the the big play down the sideline to the running back that just was outrunning Dante Jackson. That was that was another backbreaker. We I think we had him on a yeah. I want to say we like had him on a third. 10, yeah, think. we had we had him on a second or like second or third and long or something like that. And then that play was just that was a it was a killer. Yeah, right so there. they played well. A lot of different players stepped up. Frankie Louvu had an incredible night, but you know the offense has I think. They're close. Like I said, be able to only lose that game by three and keep it interesting was was nice to see. But, I mean, with the way the defense is playing right now, I mean, the offense is one or two drives away from this team being 2-0. and yeah. And so it's just cleaning a few of those things up will go a long way into improving this team. Well, and I'm going to I'm going to give some credit real quick to Ejero Ivero because in the first two games he lost two of his three best players and for that last week before the Falcons game wasn't sure if he was going to have our best player because of what's been going on off the field and 
quite frankly, the defense has done such a good job the last two games. And now actually we're down Shaq, JC Horn, who knows when he's going to come back. Seeing how our defense played, I don't see how they can't keep playing that well most week in and week out. I mean, that I give some credit to our defense and our DCs and our coaching, our defensive coaches for being able to still have our defense play that well, despite those injuries to those kids. It's not even the amount of injuries on defense, it's who's down. And have not having those guys on the field and still playing as well, major, major credit to our coaching, to the defensive coaches for that. Let's move on now to college football. It was not the most exciting week across the board in college football. This was the first time in a long time that I can remember where we had no ranked teams anywhere in college football playing each other. And as far as the teams of the Carolinas, not a lot of two interesting matchups going on. I do want to, though, highlight probably the two uh, biggest matchups from the weekend, uh, the first one being Wake Forest making their big comeback after getting down early to Old Dominion, rallying back in the second half to pull out a three-point victory. And the University of South Carolina, even though they did lose to Georgia, gave Georgia everything they had, was up 14-3 at halftime. Georgia woke up in the second half and ended up winning, but only by 10. South Carolina, I think, surprised a lot of people with how well they played and made Georgia really earn a win this weekend. Noah, of all the teams in the Carolinas this past week, whose performance impressed you the most? To me, it's Wake Forest. Now, I while I was impressed that South Carolina kept it that close, it is that kind of reminder of Georgia in the first half and first quarters is kind of messed around um, with everybody they've played thus far, and then the final score makes it look like that never even happened. Um, this was a little bit different and South Carolina only still able to keep it within 10, but wake getting down 24 to seven, it was 24, seven with seven minutes left in the third quarter. And I understand it's ODU, but for them to be able to rally and come back over that last 22 minutes of football and come back and win that game at ODU, which as we said last week has had a history of beating ACC teams. I think that was what impressed me the most was just Wake being able to come back in that stretch of time. See, I think that's what got me. It was just Wake Forest, Wake Forest comeback to me is what sticks out. You know, Wake did well to come back in a game that they maybe shouldn't have been trailing. And I I want to give a little credit to to South Carolina for for hanging with Georgia. Obviously, they don't come out with the win, but we've talked a lot about their offensive line. They only gave up three sacks to Georgia. For me, that's Really nice to see that their offensive line is capable of holding up. Spencer Radler continued to look really good. But for me, I'm going to give a little bit of love to Clemson this week. I know they were playing FAU. I know this is a game that they should not have any problems winning. But Clemson, for the first time this season, from start to finish, looked like the Clemson team that we expected them to be. And yes, it's FAU. Yes, it's what many will perceive as a cakewalk game, but it's a game that this team desperately needed, especially for the matchup that they've got coming up with a hot Florida State team. Clemson needed a game where from start to finish, the offense and defense 
was just playing lights out football, efficient football, and they did exactly what they should do to a team like FAU and go out at home in dominant fashion and win that game. Maybe it's not as impressive as South Carolina keeping it close, Wake Forest, you know, or a comeback win against Old Dominion. But for me, for how Clemson's looked this year, this was a much, much needed game for them to give them some confidence going into this weekend against Florida State. Yeah, I agree. Clemson had a huge week because we all know what happened with Duke. And then even with Charleston Southern, they kind of, it took them a while against Charleston Southern to pull away. And then they were able to blow the game open in the second half. But being able to dominate for that entire game, I agree, was huge for them. And hopefully a confidence booster for them going into this week. Let's get into the games that are coming up this week, previewing and picking each of the games in the Carolinas. Starting on Friday night at 7.30, NC State going to Charlottesville to take on Virginia. Justin, what do you think in this game? Who you got? NC State should win this game. Virginia has really struggled this year. They don't look like it. they're doing very well. I said last week I wanted to see NC State play well against VMI and dominate against a team that they should be able to handily beat, but I give a lot of credit to them for going out and doing that. And so with that said, this is another game that NC State, even though they're on the road, they shouldn't struggle against Virginia. Virginia has not looked good against anybody thus far. I would favor NC State. I know the spread is not the largest. It's only nine in favor of NC State. I think NC State will cover that pretty handily. I think Armstrong playing against his former team, he's going to want to show out. He's going to want to play well. I think he really has a dominant game, and I think NC State gets a win. I agree. I got to watch last week a little bit of a little bit of Virginia against Maryland, and it's just it did not look good. Like I said, they had a nice bounce back week against VMI, and I think State wins, and I, the spread's nine. I think NC State will end up covering that spread. And next up, Saturday, Duke at UConn. Justin, any any doubts here for Duke? You think Duke wins pretty easily here? Or? Yeah, Duke should pretty well take care of UConn. UConn, not that good. Duke has looked very solid. Should be an easy win. I think Duke just needs to guard against looking ahead to Notre Dame. I mean, yes, UConn's 0-3, but obviously they went to a bowl game last year, and it's always these weeks that you end up looking ahead to that big team that can get you. So I think Duke needs to guard against that, but I agree. I think Duke ends up winning this game. Next up on the slate, 6.30 Saturday night, Wake Forest hosting Georgia Tech. That's one I think is a pretty unanimous decision here as well. I think it's going to be closer than than people think it will. Georgia Tech gave Ole Miss a lot of problems last week, and Wake Forest didn't exactly play their best against Old Dominion, obviously having to come back and win, as we've discussed. I think Wake wins. It's, it's in Winston-Salem this week. They should be able to beat Georgia Tech, but they've got to be careful. I think Wake Forest will be able to get to 4-0 this week against Georgia Tech in a close game. I agree. Uh, it's a conference game, so you never know what can happen in any of these conference games. And the fact that Wake's only a four-point favorite also surprises me. Uh, I think that might be a little bit small there. I think Wake wins this game. 
by at least seven to 10 points, but I think Georgia Tech could, could hang around for a little bit. Next up on the list, UNC at Pittsburgh, eight o'clock Saturday night. UNC bounced back nicely last week after the win against App. Justin, what you think? Another game that North Carolina should feel pretty good going in and another game that I think they will win. Going up to Pittsburgh, this is the time of the year you rather go to Pittsburgh rather than in November. So North Carolina shouldn't struggle. Pitt can play some teams tough, but I think North Carolina wins without too many problems this week. I I agree. North I think North Carolina actually wins this game pretty handily. Pittsburgh has been struggling. They were able to win week one, but they've lost their last two games um, to Cincinnati and West Virginia. And I just, it's kind of that feeling of you can't beat either of those two teams. I don't see how you can beat Drake May and UNC. Uh, So I think UNC wins this game pretty easily. However, I will say if Drake May is going to turn the ball over, which he's been prone to do so far through three games this season, it could spell problems. It, It spelled problems early in the year. So that's going to be the key for UNC. As long as they take care of the football, they should handily win this game. All right, switching real quick over to the SEC. South Carolina hosting Mississippi State, 7.30 Saturday night. Who you got, Justin? South Carolina, even though with a worse record for Mississippi State, favored by almost a touchdown at home, I think this is a game that they – they should feel that they can win this. They they looked good against a good Georgia team last week. South Carolina, even though they didn't win, you've got to feel confident coming into this week. The offensive line improved. I think South Carolina wins. I think it will be close. Mississippi State's a tough team. They'll make South Carolina earn it. But I do think the Gamecocks will get back to a 500 record Spencer Radler has looked too good this year. 77 for 108 for 954 and four touchdowns so far this year. Has the two interceptions uh, when he was trying to force the initiative against Georgia last week. I think South Carolina is able to pull this one out. I agree with you again. South Carolina, obviously, I mean, week, week one was rough against North Carolina, bouncing back against Furman week two. And then I think... Uh, there's there's two ways this can go with a game like this. It can either be, wow, confidence, because, wow, we were able to hang with Georgia and we had a lead on them and things like that. Or you could be beat up physically because of how physical Georgia is and it makes it harder for the game against Mississippi State. I'm going to go with the former. I think the confidence that they're going to have coming from Georgia will carry them to the win here. And like I said, I think Rat- this is a game where I think Rattler is going to end up playing extremely well again, as he has all season. And I think South Carolina gets the win. Let's move on to the game of the week in the Carolinas and maybe even across the ACC. Number four, Florida State traveling to Death Valley to take on Clemson. Important to note that Florida State is a two-point road favorite in this game which is uncommon for Death Valley. Justin, who you got? I am going to let you take this one first. I'm going to defer to you here to start with. So here's the deal. I understand it is so hard to win in Clemson. They've lost one home. I think what they they have like a 38-game home winning streak or something before they lost to South Carolina last year. 
It's hard to win in Clemson. The two things I think working against Clemson here, the fact that it's a noon game and not a night game, I think that totally changes the energy. And the fact to me, Florida State, you could see last week, they looked at Boston College and said, oh, we could beat this team. I think they were focused on Clemson this week. I think they're looking to make a statement this week. It's going to be close because I don't think they're going to go into Death Valley and blow them out. But I just I think Florida State is too good for Clemson this year. I'm going to take the Knowles. It's been almost 10 years now since Florida State has come to Death Valley and won a football game. Florida State and Clemson have played every season since that 10 years ago. And it's not an overstatement, I think, to say that this game for Clemson might just be their season. Mm. If they want any sort of possibility of making a run, they have to have this game. Because if they don't, they, they'll find a way. They could still end up ranked at the end of the year. They could still go on to have nine, ten wins. But if they want any shot of relevancy for the rest of this season, they cannot lose this game. Do I think they will? Like I said, they looked like they got some confidence in the game last week. So out of the sheer hope as a fan and as a graduate of the university, I'm going to pick Clemson to win this game because this is the first game this year. Dabo has always used the underdog mantra with this Clemson team ever since he took the job. This is the first game this year that they have the underdog mantra going for them. Nobody expects them to win this game. And I think this is a game, if Dabo is the coach that I know he is, this is the time that he can get this team fired up and ready to play. And I think they, I think there's a chance that they can pull this out and I'm going to pick them to pull it out as, as, as much as I, as much as I love this team and as much as I know how good Florida state is, I just, I'm putting my faith in Dabo this week to get it done. And if he doesn't get it done, I have to eat my words, but I'm going to say that they can pull it off. I think being the underdogs will help fuel Dabo's message to this team. They're healthy. The receivers have started to really play well. I'm going to say the Tigers get it done in Death Valley. And 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 one I think one last little little note with that is the, the thing to see this weekend is all right. Was the Duke game really just an anomaly and have they cleaned things up the last 2 weeks? Or is what you've seen from Clemson just the fact that they're playing the non-conference inferior competition? We're going to find out this week what that looks like. Look, everything everything that I've seen and everything that I look at says that Florida State's going to win this game, but I, I just can't pick them to do it. I think Clemson can find a way to win this game. Leaving the college realm, let's go to the Sunday game. Panthers at Seahawks. What you got? This is going to be a tough game. Being in Seattle, Seattle always notoriously a tough place to go and play. We have had many good battles with Seattle over the years. This is going to be a tough game. The offense is going to have to play better if they if they're going to win. Seattle has looked a little up and down to start the season, and I've picked the Panthers the last two weeks. 
But until I see like, we're going up against a really good young corner in Tariq Woolen, until I see your receiver really emerge as a huge threat, I think this week I'm going to have to go with Seattle. I think having the injuries that we have at cornerback will hurt this week, and I think Seattle is going to be able to get the win at home. Well, and you know, as much as I spent this episode hyping up the defense, this is the first week that's really going to be tested because where we have been gashed is in the running game. Seattle's got a running back, Kenneth Walker. This is the first time that we're really playing not just one, but two really good receivers with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Defense is going to be tested this week, and I think Seattle is just such a tough place to play for anybody. So I unfortunately am going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks, and I have a really bad feeling it might not be close. I think Seattle just has the combination that is not good for us right now based on our injuries and our circumstances. So I am going to take Seattle by at least 10 to 14 points. Let's move on now to our final segment, our favorite thing. Obviously, we talk a lot on this podcast about Carolina football, but football expands beyond the states of North and South Carolina. And we want to use this time to recognize our favorite thing that we saw from across the football landscape and across the country. And this week, our favorite thing we saw, we will head to the University of Iowa. And you may have seen uh, the video this week. Of course, Iowa did end up winning their game this weekend, but this has nothing to do with the football game itself and what actually went on in between uh, timeouts during the game. Every school has a set of cheerleaders, and Iowa, during one of their timeouts, had the cheerleaders in the end zone doing flips and cartwheels and all the things that we see cheerleaders do on a routine basis, and everybody was doing a great job. And one of the male cheerleaders began his set And he got halfway through a cartwheel and his pants fell down. (laughs) And of course, we had a camera pointed on it. So if you have not seen the video, it is absolutely hilarious to see him his pants fall in the middle of his round. However, give him some credit. He did stick the landing, didn't break his composure throughout the whole thing, and he was able to land on his two feet, pull his pants right up, and get to the sideline. So give him some credit for that. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of an embarrassing moment for him uh, to get his football season started. I think that's the thing for me to note is just sticking the landing, keeping your composure. You know, it's the kind of thing, I'm, I'm a musician. They always tell us on stage, if you mess up, just don't let anybody know that it happened and move on. Now, obviously, it was hard to not know that something happened in this instance but he didn't pout about it he didn't he just he he fixed his he fixed what happened and moved on like nothing happened and that's exactly what i what you gotta do yeah it was it's funny and it may be even a little embarrassing embarrassing for him but props to him for keeping going and like you said props to him for sticking his landing yeah and shout out to the tv networks for making sure that moment uh, will be constantly reminded to him by his friends and family that hey, <laughs> you're you uh, drop your drawers on national television. It's his, so... it's, his TV, it's his TV moment, you know. We all we all have those moments. He just he got his <laughs> moment. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Carolina Casual Podcast. If you did enjoy, please make sure to leave us a five star review 
While you're there, go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of this past week's round of football games and what you're expecting for this coming weekend. Go ahead and follow us on both Facebook and Instagram at Carolina Casuals Podcast. Make sure to follow us so that you can stay up to date on all the most recent information regarding this podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week to recap this weekend's football games in the Carolinas, as well as preview what might be the biggest football game in history to take place in Durham, North Carolina. Have a great one, everyone.